preseason, regular season, and maybe again someday in the postseason, you celebrate a magic victory. John Moran played late in that game, so it counts. Magic uh, beat the Grizzlies 109-106 to the Amway last night. Unbeaten at home, Scott, in the preseason. Facts. Yellow. The only difference, by the way, of the Magic Victory song preseason, regular season, is we don't play it the entire show. <laughs> this is true. So that's the only time you'll hear the Magic Victory song. <sighs> and here's the only time you'll hear this home run call from last night's Major League Baseball playoff game. Now here comes the payoff pitch. Swung on, hit in the air to left field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone to tie the game. His first Yankee home run. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. Harry, he homers to left center. And the Yankees tie the game at one. And just think about now here comes yeah. the <laughs> show tunes for John Sterling on Harrison Peters' home run last night. <laughs> what? Huh? I got, I got nothing. Huh? I got nothing. Nothing? I got nothing. What are you talking about? Yeah. Judy Garland? Uh-huh. I'm just wild about Harry? Okay. Come on. No. Wow. I believe. Hater. Yes, I'm a hater. No, no, no. Go look this up. Uh-huh. You don't mind. I, I, I just said a Bianchi to Kelly right there. Uh, I'm Just Wild About Harry, which is Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think the song is at least 90 years old. Sterling's in his 80s. But I think the song was in the 30s. It was written in 1921. So it is... Oh, it's 101 years it's old. It's 101. I was wrong. It was a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair... It's yeah. actually, it was released in August of 1922. Okay. So it's just, you know, three months, a uh, hundred years and three months. There we go. Wow. Can you play it again? Now that we know the background, uh, let's really rather not. Come on, let's do it again. Come on. Let's hear it again. Now here comes the payoff pitch. Swung on, hit in the air to left field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone to tie the game. His first Yankee home run. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. Harry, he homers to left center. Wow. And the Yankees tie the game at one. Huh? No. Come on, Scott. Stop trying to justify this. Scott, if you were, you know, a... a, a, Septuagenarian? You should work this into the broadcast for Orlando City's match. On Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Find someone named Harry. Or make it work in some form. Yeah. No, we got nothing. <laughs> anyway. Yankees win last night. That wasn't even all, okay? Yankees won. Mm-hmm. Rangers beat the Lightning 2-1 on opening night. I saw that network cares, shows that they care about hockey again. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a 3-1 Ranger win. And uh, off to a nice start there. Just so you know, I'm going to butcher the news when I bring up that game. Of our great goal scorer? Yeah. We'll work on it uh, between now and then. And, I mean, the, the, the Giants are 4-1. and one. Can I just enjoy what's happened right now? Yeah, except your punter didn't come back. Look, small visa issue can't get back from <laughs> London. 
Got time. Punters don't practice during the week. They don't? He can practice there. It's true. Leave a ball behind and go to an open field and punt. No big deal. The Scottish Hammer. <laughs> stuck in London and can't get home for a game against Baltimore. Anyway, um, happy Wednesday and welcome to uh, the program. You doing all right? I'm, I'm great. I'm Are fantastic. You? I'm really good, yeah. Okay. I, I'm a little bit worried, though. Because? So... So, so Rick, our our programming boss, uh, came over and brought uh, a nice little little gift over. I didn't get a gift. It's the Pocky One Chip Challenge. What is that? It's one of those uh, super spicy potato chips. Oh, you're not going to do that. Well, it's a challenge. You're supposed to no, do it with somebody no, no, else. No, 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 no. But look, look, it comes with gloves for handling the the chip. Don't do it. One extremely spicy tortilla chip. Don't do it. Don't do it. Should I try to have the afternoon show do this instead? Show me the gloves. What are the gloves? It does come with gloves because you're not supposed to touch it. You're not supposed to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, does he want you to do it on air? I I, I don't know. If, I I don't know if it was that. If it was a joke. I mean, there is. You know, you could do this for social. Oh yeah, I'm not doing it. You're not. No. Okay. But you want me to do it? I don't want you to do it. Okay. Because I know people that have done it. You know people that have done it. And it doesn't go well. Yeah, I've done it. Not only does it uh, burn and hurt initially, like, they didn't feel good for weeks. Yes. So I don't want that. Okay. And I I mean, there's nobody on our staff that I dislike that I want to go through that. So I shouldn't suggest the afternoon show do a wager for this? You can suggest it, and, and they don't have to listen to me, but I would tell them to not do it. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Tazi feels like I got an iron gut. That's what I thought once, and then uh, I wasn't right for three days. About him? No, 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 About no. Doing a spicy. Oh no! Don't do it. I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. Oh, I love spicy food. I, I don't care. You have uh, no idea. What you know that me. Is. The only spice I care about. It- Diablo sauce. I understand that the holiday season's not that far away. Can I tell you about the hottest new gift that's out there? We're not even through spooky season, man. The Zamboni Company, the NHL, launching the world's first electric Zamboni ride-on toy designed for kids three to six. This is, like, is this like a Go-Go Power Wheels thing? It's like a mini car. Like a Go-Go but Power it's, Wheels. But, it, but it's designed as a Zamboni. Okay. Like, how cool is that? Have we? How have we not figured out how to get you to drive a Zamboni? Uh, I, I, I was offered... When the solar bears came back. Mm-hmm. And you I'm, said no? I don't know if I couldn't do it the schedule or something. And yeah. They, I mean, they don't let you really. Like, you got to learn to do it. It's not like, hey, Bob, at a section 216, let's cut him loose in the Zamboni. Oh, I don't want to. I just want to drive it. Yeah, but you have to be taught it. Like to in drive a parade. It. In a parade. Okay. Anyway. Well, then I don't screw up the ice. I mean, get your kid electronic uh, Zamboni. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Yeah. Wow. That's a must-get for kids. This comes in all uh, logos of all 32 teams. Mm. Yeah, but I want a Hartford Whalers one. They don't have one. That'd be kind of cool. They would, yeah. That'd be kind of neat if you did that. Um, Keith Smith's going to talk some basketball with us. Magic did win last night uh, in preseason basketball. Got one more to go before the regular season begins. I got a text from somebody last night. Yeah. About the bowl bowl era beginning. Oh, okay. And? And I said, we did this a couple years ago in Denver when he had one of those games. 
doesn't mean that he can't be productive, but just can we not react after a preseason basketball game when somebody has some points and things like that? But <clears throat> anyway, um, and then Ben Oster, our, our good friend who covers NFL officiating, is going to be on with us uh, later to try to explain everything that has happened in the NFL with roughing the passer, uh, protocol, eye in the sky, all these things, and uh, Ben will be on about 10.35 today. Movie Wednesday. You don't even know why I sent you that clip. I have no clue why you sent me that. But you know of the clip. Yeah. So we'll get to that Movie Wednesday a little bit uh, later on today. Uh, Gus Malzahn was on with Mike and I uh, earlier, as he does join us the day before UCF game. And you can catch that up at 96.9thegame.com. Knights will take on Temple. Uh, tomorrow, Space Uniform is released yesterday. What time's the launch? What time's the launch? There's actually a... Um, oh, there is a rocket launch tomorrow. At 540. Whoa, see? Yes. And you said and you said they wouldn't figure it out. No, it's a splashdown. That's not a launch. It's not. Can we see anything from the campus? I don't know if you could see the the capsule coming down are they going to show it on the video board maybe uh the 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 let's see nasa and spacex are targeting a 541 splashdown of the crew four flight wrapping up nearly a six-month science mission the dragon spacecraft uh will then unlock at about 705 uh tonight for the journey home will so. you narrate the well i'll splashdown. find out if we can see it yeah uh, now, I mean, you can't see the water from my booth. Mm-hmm. What about with binoculars or a telescope? No. No. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, when we come back, and, and I was discussing this with uh, Mike on the bridge, and he brought a little bit of this up when he was talking about Josh Heupel at Tennessee and uh, the big game that they have with Alabama. But I, I tease this to Mike. When we come back, a look at some of the top jobs in college football and the coaches that have them. And how many of them were the actual number one choice? Or what were some of the candidates that people had mentioned for these jobs? Um, you'll not want to miss the interesting list lists of some of these schools and the candidates and then who ended up getting the jobs. Uh, just to show you that it's not always, oh, yeah, you hired that guy and got it right. We'll explain next. <laughs> Oh, it's another great uh, Genesis song. Woo. It's a long song, too. 646. Powerful, powerful open. And Phil Collins really helped this baby out. It's a good open to like a slow motion sports clip of a big game. Yeah. It's a minute long intro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Beast Sports, Mark Daniels. On this uh, Wednesday. Brought to you by our friends at Seminole Power Sports, number one in fast fun, Reinhardt Road in Sanford, Highway 441 in Eustis, online at SeminolePowerSports.com. And uh, check them out, whatever your needs are the water, the road, dirt, camping. You'll find it all at Seminole Power Sports and uh, more. Um, Tomorrow night, UCF football takes on uh, Temple. Kick at 7. Coverage will begin at 5 o'clock. And again, if you miss Gus Malzahn, if you're a UCF fan, want to catch an interview, 
Check it out at 969thegame.com. So I, I mentioned it before. I went back and I was looking yesterday. Mike brought up on the bridge about uh, Josh Heupel at Tennessee and some of the people that Danny White, when he got the job at Tennessee as the AD, his first job was to go find an athletic director. I mean, a, a head a head football coach. And any AD, any honest AD, will tell you that that's the thing they look forward to the most. Not uh, not to fire, then hire, because then the heat's really on you. But if you come in as a new athletic director, and either A, you have fired the football coach because needed to get fired, or you, in that case at Tennessee, the job was open, Danny got it, and then he goes searching for uh, the football coach. Every AD loves that. It is a chance to establish yourself, credibility, respect, you get it right, you raise money, and, and it's the it's the best thing to boost your popularity. Uh, Danny did it at UCF when he hired, actually did it at Buffalo with a couple of different hires, but I did it at UCF when he hired Scott Frost. Did it when he hired Josh Heupel because of the success they had in 2018. And at Tennessee, entered a unique situation in which Jeremy Pruitt got fired with then the cloud of controversy, which then came out about the wrongdoing that took place there. So anyway, as Mike and I were talking about who else, and, and I went back to refresh my memory, and then actually spoke to a couple of people that I think are pretty good sources about some of this stuff to remember what Danny did before he hired Josh Heupel. Then I looked at some of the top jobs in college football today and who either was reported to have interviewed or people believe were legitimate candidates. I don't mean like when the person gets fired and the media goes through the cycle of here's a wall, let me just throw something against it and come up with five, eight names that everybody else is throwing out there, but legitimate candidates that people had talked about uh, for jobs. And by the way, Tennessee, uh, Lance Leipold, who's now the head coach at Kansas, he was a guy that Danny did look at. He's a guy that Danny looked at when uh, Scott Frost left. He's a guy that uh, Danny White looked at when Josh Heupel had spoken to South Carolina before Danny got the offer to go to Tennessee. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota was um, somebody else. Tony Elliott, the O.C. then at Clemson, was the guy that Danny White had considered for UCF as well and ultimately settled on Josh Heupel. And the uh, biggest reason, familiarity, but two, offense sells. And at Tennessee, the feeling was the program is so down in the dumps right now, a negative feeling, bad image, you got to at least excite people with an offense. And if you can score points and people get excited about that, then you kind of build the program. And they were dealing with a whole bunch of people in the transfer portal. And at the moment, Danny White guessed right. As Josh Heupel established an offense last year that by the time the end of the season came, um, Tennessee fans loved watching their team play offense. And this season, they're ranked sixth, and here they have the biggest game in Josh Heupel's coaching career, regular season. I do think the Fiesta Bowl is a pretty important game for UCF trying to go for back-to-back undefeated seasons. But for his time at Tennessee, for the national stage of playing Alabama, it's probably Josh Heupel's biggest game ever as a coach. If you look at other programs that you consider to be the top jobs 
in college football. And I, I say that based on rankings. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Martino, Sabita Sports. At Alabama, you might remember the, I'm not going to be the coach at Alabama, Nick Saban line, and then he became the coach at Alabama. But when Mike Shula got fired at Alabama back in 2007, Mal Moore, the AD at Alabama, did a number of interviews over the years explaining the real candidates for the job before Nick Saban took it. And one of the first phone calls that uh, Mal Moore uh, made was to Steve Spurrier. Spurrier had just uh, finished his second season at South Carolina, and Moore wanted to get a sense would Spurrier think about coming to Alabama? And Spurrier turned it down, stayed at South Carolina, and gave them years that they had not seen. Double-digit wins, and uh, Steve Spurrier did an excellent job at South Carolina. The other guys, and there's well-documentation done about how close it came. Did he accept the job? Rich Rodriguez was the hot name. And that was like, it's going to happen, it's done. Wait a minute, now uh, it's not done. Greg Schiano. David Cutcliffe, and Nick Saban. And ultimately, it was the chance for Mal Moore to meet with Nick, to meet with Nick's wife, and convince them why, and ultimately Nick uh, chose to take the job. But maybe Nick was the top choice, but he spoke to Spurrier. He spoke to David Cutcliffe. Georgia, when Mark Rick got fired, remember, he's averaging basically 10 wins a year. He just didn't win the right games for Georgia fans, and they felt like, hey, this is enough. Kirby Smart was thought to be the most popular choice, but he wasn't the only person that Georgia looked at um, in 2016. The hot guy, that Tom Herman at Houston. Go get the offensive guy. Go get the guy that can bring excitement with the offense. Dan Mullen, remember that? Dan was at Mississippi State. They thought, hey, um, now a chance to go to Georgia, uh, more resources. Lane Kiffin was the Alabama offensive coordinator, but Kirby Mullen, I mean, uh, uh, Kirby Smart, Kirby Mullen, Seminole Power Sports, uh, Kirby Smart played at Georgia, and ultimately they settled on Kirby. Go back and look. A popular hire, but a lot of the media and fans felt Georgia should have gone offense. Yeah, he's one of ours, but. Is this the right move? And Nick had a track record, not really his fault, of great assistants and coordinators that weren't panning out, as you learned about Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Ohio State. You go back and think, yeah, well, that was, a, a you know, Urban and his issues, and it was, you know, Ryan Day. Well, it was, but it wasn't a slam dunk. Day was there as the guy that, okay, if we want a smooth transition, it's this guy who may end up being a candidate for other jobs, but who else? And there were two other guys. Greg Schiano, who, by the way, almost got in a fight with Ryan Day over the fake punt in their recent matchup. Kevin Wilson in Indiana. And they settled on Ryan Day. At Clemson, when Tommy Bowden got fired, Dabo Sweeney was on the staff and became an interim coach. There was little to no support when Dabo was named interim to say, hey, Let's give him the job. Now, you know what happened, but back in 2008, here's the list of guys that Clemson contacted and thought about. 
Will Muschamp. He's the top coordinator. Everybody loves him. Todd Graham was running the offense at Tulsa. They were putting up monster numbers. Uh, Todd Graham was run out of Hawaii for his alleged incidents and then some confirmed incidents with his players. Uh, but he was a hot name. Skip Holtz at East Carolina. Then, Lane Kiffin as the Oakland Raiders coach back in 2008. And Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. They gave it to Dabo, and it worked out. In 2014, when Brady Hoke was out at Michigan, there was the Jim Harbaugh natural connection. But Harbaugh had waffled. Do I stay in the NFL, or do I take the job that maybe this is the time uh, to take it, and went back and forth? So who else did Michigan talk to? Because Harbaugh... Kind of went back and forth. I mean, no, I'm not. Well, maybe. And Michigan's like, we got to pick a coach. Some of you remember some of the names. Les Miles, right? The Michigan connection. The report. Les Miles is taking the job in Michigan. He had to deny it right before a football game. The other names. Steve Adazio was at Boston College, and people thought, well, there's a great fit. Steve Adazio at that time was thought to be hot candidate for big jobs. Jerry Kill was at Minnesota. Another name that people connected uh, to Michigan. Dan Mullen. Jim Mora was at UCLA. And Greg Schiano, I think, was in that run of he's named for every time. And then Harbaugh ultimately said yes uh, and came back. And a couple others here. Florida State. Okay? So Willie Taggart's out. Anybody remember who some of the names were that people were throwing around before Mike Norvell? Remember when it was Bob Stoops? He had that local TV station in Tallahassee that said Bob Stoops had either landed or agreed to a deal, and people ran with that story about Bob Stoops. But the other names? Matt Campbell. Mark Stoops. That was the name that had the most traction. James Franklin at Penn State. Maybe time to come south and leave Penn State in the Big Ten to go to the SEC. And he'd been at Vanderbilt, and people had mentioned that. And then, early December, Mike Norvell's name emerged. And go back and look. And I remember us doing the show back then. It was, you're going to go from the rumors of Bob Stoops, which I never believed, but the rumors of Bob Stoops And people were like, wait, we went from Bob Stoops to maybe Mark Stoops, who once was at Florida State, to Mike Norvell. And how many times have we always said your job is worth the value of the candidates that are legitimate candidates? And Mike Norvell uh, got the job. I'll take you back a year ago. Mario Cristobal gets hired as the head coach at Oregon, and at the time, it was, okay, um, yeah, I, you know, I get it, one-time coach at FIU, had been in Alabama, and a uh, great recruiter, and after five years in Alabama, go to Oregon. One of the rare moments that he coaches the bowl game as his first game, but then 
Nine and four, twelve and two, four and three, ten and three. The criticism was, well, great recruiter, but what about his coaching on game day? All right, Mario's going to go take the job at Miami. Well, ha! Back the Brinks truck up. It's Oregon. It's Phil Knight, and the name started coming out. Chip Kelly. Why not bring Chip back from UCLA? Everybody's screaming about Chip Kelly going back. Luke Fickle. Makes sense, right? Look what he's done at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle's going to be the hot guy that's going to go uh, to Oregon. Dave Aranda. Go get Dave Aranda. I mean, the job that he did um, at Baylor. Go get Dave Aranda. And nope, Dave Aranda staying. Uh, okay, Justin Wilcox. Cal guy, good offense. Go get him. Remember Joe Brady? And the name that he was when he was at LSU and then went to Carolina. Now, by the way, he's in Buffalo as a quarterback coach. People thought, wait a minute. What about you know Joe Brady? And they hired Dan Lanning. Uh, Dan Lanning from Missouri, who never coached at Oregon, who was the defensive coordinator at Georgia, got the job as the coach at Oregon, known as a great recruiter. And by the way, may end up being a, a, a very good coach. But the search when it starts out and where it ends up sometimes is incredible when you think about some of the names that were either a legitimate candidates or the media loved to put out there. And then you go back and look, as I was looking yesterday, at some of the people that when Josh Heupel got hired at Tennessee that said, wow, swing and a miss. Danny White had a chance to make a big splash, and this is who we hired. And some of those same people this week writing about Josh Heupel, not saying, hey, I was wrong, but more like, what a great job he's done in the offense and everything. And it happens all the time. I mean, I I just gave a bunch of names in all these different places, and at the time, some of these names were the it guy to go get. And sometimes it pans out, sometimes it, it doesn't. By the way, that's Spurrier stuff at Alabama, digging through just some stuff online. And Mal Moore, the Alabama AD, did a, a number of interviews over the years talking about it. And he felt for a week that he really had Spurrier kind of like, hmm. But but Steve felt committed to South Carolina. They they gave him everything he had asked for and just felt like that that, that would not be the right thing uh, to do. And, and Spurrier has been quoted a few places going, it never really got close, but you just kind of wonder one of those what-if games. But... Where it starts out and where it ends up uh, is interesting sometimes when you look at the people that supposedly had a chance to get uh, jobs. Uh, Orlando City Soccer has made the MLS playoffs, and this coming Sunday they'll be in Montreal for a nice, warm, balmy Canadian night. Yes. What's the forecast called? Oh, I don't don't know, actually. Montreal on Sunday night. It's an 8 o'clock match? 8 o'clock match, yes. And you'll be able to hear that match with you in the call here? Yep, right on this radio station. Coverage at 7.30. Kickoff just a little bit after 8 o'clock. Okay. So catch that uh, part of your... High of 56. Ain't going to be the high at 8 o'clock. No. Yeah. You're almost close enough to look at the hour by hour, where I'm going to guess it's probably in the mid-40s. Yeah. And maybe windy, possibly. Possibly, yeah. yeah. All right, we come back. Keith Smith uh, covers uh, the NBA, his weekly basketball visit. A look at the Magic's preseason win last night and some other NBA notes all coming up next. 
The Beat of Sports, Martin Angels. Brought to you by our friends at HHJ Legal, Richard Hill. Online at HHJLegal.com. Hill, Hill, and Jacobson. Uh, we'll talk to Richard on front. Let's talk some basketball now uh, with our good friend Keith Smith, who covers uh, the NBA. And uh, you can find him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, Spot Rack, Celtic Block, Front Office Show, all sorts of good things. Good morning, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Don't know if we make much at a preseason basketball game. It's the Magic. Again, trying to try different things in a preseason. A lot of people have watched and looked at their front line and rotation. And again, you got to be careful in a preseason. Uh, last night, Bowl Bowl put up some decent numbers. And he's an interesting guy because um, I think he had like one of these big games a couple years ago. And people went kind of insane. He's battled some injuries. But if you take a look at what we assume to be a magic front line without Jonathan Isaac, let's put that aside for a second, what might that look like and how good can that be for what is realistic of the magic this season? Yeah, I think they have a chance to really do do some stuff. I think eventually when everything kind of settles, we'll see Carter, Bancaro, and Wagner, uh, Franz Wagner, that is, uh, be the main um, three starters in the front court group. And I think Mobamba will be the fourth guy who will play the most minutes behind those three. And those uh, guys all have complementary skills of each other. You've got a you know good mix of offense, defense, rebounding. I think Bancaro's passing ability really helps open things up. And if Franz Wagner is really kind of turning into this all-around uh, player like he looked like he was throughout the course of the summer, that's going to be huge for them. I, that's clearly, to me, the strength of this team right now is their front court. The guard mix is still largely unproven. There's a lot of injuries in that group. And the wing group is Wagner, if you want to include him in there, is, is really good. But then the rest of the wing group's a little bit messy, and we'll see what that comes. But right now, that front court group, that, that's what you should get excited about because that's what the Magic are really building around. He is 23 years old, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, and I don't know if this is a good comparison. I went back, I was looking at Vooch's numbers. He needed a chance to play part of the Dwight Howard deal, came here. Vooch went 13, 14, 19 points per game his first couple of years. Rebounds were about 11 or 12. Maybe a different role. Wendell Carter Jr. last year went 15 and 10 and a half. So when I say, are they similar in some areas, maybe that's an unfair comparison. Maybe I'm way off here. But I know last year we talked, you liked Wendell Carter Jr. And what's the next step for him? Yeah, I think having some guys around him can make the game a little bit easier for him on the offensive end. It's going to be big again. Uh, Franz and uh, Bancaro, their their ability to to pass, I think, is going to be pretty big um, for helping set him up or uh, to make just make make shots easier for him. He's not not a guy who's going to ever put the ball on the floor and create a lot of looks for himself or anything like that. But if if the uh, guards and then those forwards can really help set him up too, that's going to be good. And I think the Magic are kind of looking for him to be steady on the boards. I think. Yeah, we want to see him get 10 rebounds a night, not 15 rebounds one night, five the next. It's really, you know, be consistent on the glass night after night. That's what Vooch always was. You knew he was going to get his 8, 9, 10 rebounds, and you just knew that was always going to be there uh, out of him once he was established. So I think that's where, where we're headed. And the other thing I'll say, just again, as the talent improves around Carter, I think we'll see him open up his passing a little bit more on uh, picking out shooters and cutters and those kind of things. And that's where you're going to start to see those pre-draft uh, comps were to Al Horford for him. And I think you're going to start to see that really kind of come to light this season. 
Uh, Jalen Suggs, the Magic aren't putting a timetable on it because the Magic, over the years, have learned don't put timetables on injuries. But um, if it's four to six weeks, is it uh, a, a, a big uh, big injury? Can you live with that? You never want to see anybody out, but hopefully it's four to six. But what's the setback mean for him and the Magic? Yeah, it, it's not great because he missed so much time as a rookie. These are the development years for, for these players. The team doesn't necessarily expect to be good. And, and the challenge is this is when these guys should be playing a lot, playing you know, 25, 30 minutes a night and, and getting all those reps because if it's a little messy and you lose, it's not the end of the world. The challenge becomes when we get you know, uh, two years from now, if Jalen Suggs is still kind of needing those development reps, the Magic are going to be in a position where hopefully by then, you know, we're trying to win games. And it starts to turn into, where are we going, you know, with this? Now, if it's only four to six weeks and then he's healthy after that, not the end of the world. It happened, you move on and go. But if it's four to six weeks and then he's back for two months and he's out for another four weeks or so, that's where it starts to become a little bit of a problem because that starts to add up. And again, you're missing those developmental reps. So, you know, let's hope that this is all it is. He's past this and he moves on because I think Jalen Suggs was a guy right before he got hurt last year was really starting to figure some stuff out. I think the game was slowing down for him. He was adjusting the physicality and I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do. He was already a pretty good defender. I really you know, wanted to see, yo, can you improve as a shooter, as a scorer, as a cutter, as a passer alongside these other players. That's what we need to see moving forward. One more magic question, and he's the benefactor of injuries. Doesn't mean he hasn't played well, but Cole Anthony, you would have thought, man, it's going to be crowded. He could be a chip if you wanted to move some pieces, but because of Fultz's situation, because of Jalen Suggs, and Cole went for 16, uh, 5, and 6 last year. The shooting is still under 40% from 3. He was at 34 but he is benefiting by those guys not being healthy, and suddenly he becomes a lot more important to you until they get healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now he's kind of the only really healthy uh, uh, ball handler on the roster because Suggs is out, Fultz is out. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, RJ Hampton. That's still very much a work in progress for him uh, there. But, but I think you know, Cole Anthony is the guy who I think he came in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder of. All right, you know, I know everybody's all jazzed up about Markel Fultz, but I can play. And not that he has anything against Markel Fultz, because I certainly know he doesn't. But I think it was, hey, I, I'm ready too. Like I'm here. You know, I'm a part of this thing. And I think he continually, you know, just keeps pushing that of, you know, I'm gonna be here. I love, you know. You see, when he lines up across the court from Stephen Curry, from Chris Paul, he's like, yep, I'm just as good as those guys. Let's go. And, it, and it, it's great. You know, that, that kind of confidence can be big. And I think in a lot of ways, he's really established himself as the leader of this young team. He's somebody that you see the guys are looking to. And that kind of naturally happens because he is a point guard. But, you know, if he can get a little bit more efficient with his scoring, a little bit more efficient with his shooting, and then really become a playmaker uh, more than a scorer, that's a big step forward. And all of a sudden, the Magic may be looking at things a little bit differently uh, headed down the line with the roster, and especially at that point guard position. Maybe I see this wrong, but I understand in the social media 24-7 news cycle we live in, in the wake of what we saw with Draymond Green, I want your thoughts on that. People go, oh, this happens all the time. I don't think it happens as much as some people want to lead you on to believe because I just think it's hard to cover things up like that, particularly a fight or a punch like that. So, one, what's your thoughts on what took place there? Draymond uh, left the team, going to come back. Steve Kerr said, look, we handled it internally, not suspended. So thoughts on that, and then people say, oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think. 
What happens all the time is practice altercations. Uh, what doesn't happen all the time is what looked like to me like knocking a teammate out. That's pretty rare. If, if that happened all the time, we'd hear about this a lot more. And by now, we'd be conditioned to, well, whatever. It does really happen all the time. Yeah, two guys getting into it in practice, pretty regular occurrence for those things, especially teams that are coming off a long season where they played all the way to the end of June, and now they're right back at it at the end of September. Yeah, those, there's going to be things that happen. But this one went way over the line, way over the top. Um, I think it's one of those where the Warriors were hoping this was quiet. It's going to be just us. We handle it. It doesn't come out. But then, obviously, that got out of their control with anything. And I think it's just a further lesson. You're better off getting ahead of these things because it is going to come out, you know, with, with this stuff, you know, when these things go down. And now they're basically saying, yeah, whatever time Draymond's taken away from the team, you know, by, by the time I guess he gets back, to practice it'll have been you know a week or so away and we're going to find him and that's enough we'll see or, or is this one of the kind of things where you look at and where we're talking in you know april if the warriors are out early in the playoffs or something we're looking back and yeah that was the first kind of crack in that foundation of the team that's really other than those kind of two injury ridden years has been rock solid for the better part of a decade now um rob palenka got an extension was that surprising or not yeah, a little bit. I think people go too far with, you know, this guy's awful and hasn't done anything when he built a title team just two seasons ago. It's, it's, you know, but, but that's sports, right? You, you, you forget. I, 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 I'm very, you know, open. I'm, I'm a huge New England Patriots fan and there are people who, who are screaming and yelling about Bill Belichick should be fired and, you know, he's never done anything and all these things. And it's, they won the Super Bowl three years ago. So it really is one of those reminders of the, Sports is a world of what have you done for me lately. So I think that's, you know, interesting. But I do think if you're the Lakers, this gives you a little bit of, you know, security with Rob Plink of, hey, whatever you think the next move is, trading Russell Westbrook, not trading Russell Westbrook, whatever it is, you can do so with confidence of you're not GMing for your job now. You don't need to make any kind of panic moves or anything like that. Just do what you think is best for the team. On LaMelo Ball, uh, it, it looks as if it's not long-term with the ankle injury, is it? Because then you go, well, gee, should they call the Lakers? I'm like, Steve Clifford wants no part of Russell Westbrook, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's unfortunately one where we might be in a position where uh, what Steve Clifford wants doesn't necessarily really matter this year. I think we might have seen the Hornets um, stealthily slide themselves into, I, I'm calling it the vomiting for Victor race. Um, I, I think uh, we, we might have seen uh, uh, them stealthily slide in there with, oh, yeah, it's a grade two ankle sprain. He's going to be out, you know, not a week or two. It's probably going to be, you know, a month or more. And, and I think if you're the Hornets, then what you do is you look at it and say, all right, you know, hey, we, we didn't play so well those first couple months. We can start making some roster moves here and start moving some guys off the roster. And, we, you know, if we can get a couple picks out of the Lakers or a pick and clear up our salary long term, it doesn't really matter what – you know, Cliff wants to play Westbrook or not, like, then don't play him. You know, put him on the bench because we're just doing a, a cap-clearing move. We may see that. I think we're going to see, you know, some uh, teams really gearing up to put themselves in that position to draft uh, either Victor Wembanyama or feel pretty good if they land second at the consolation prize of Scoot Henderson. But I thought that's why he didn't want to be part of Orlando's rebuild. So now he's going to be part of a rebuild in charge. I guess the paycheck helps, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the paycheck house, what an odd situation that's been anyway, where Kenny Atkinson had the job and then decided he didn't want it. So you 
turned to the coach. You decided it wasn't good enough for you just a few years earlier. It's a weird situation. I, I like Cliff. I think he's a fantastic basketball coach. I think if you give him the right roster, he can really build, you know, a, a pretty good team that's, you know, going to defend and they're going to, you know, really, uh, you know, do some stuff. But I just think Charlotte is setting up for what looks like it's going to be a pretty messy season. But hey, if a messy season happens and on the backside you come out with Victor Wembanyama, I think Cliff's going to be okay coaching him up over the next couple of years too. Hey, last question. Uh, and again, you got to be careful of rotations in a preseason. But outside of Paolo, if you had to guess any other rookies, that you're like, wow, they're going to set themselves up to be, you know, uh, off to a good start thus far. Yeah, I think there, there's a couple. I think um, Tari Eason on the Houston Rockets. He was drafted in the middle of the first round. He can really play, and they, they, they just need guys who are going to get out there and get after it defensively. So like, he's got a chance at being you know, pretty good. I think Caden Ivey's going to do some stuff for the Detroit Pistons. Um, they're kind of a little bit like Orlando. I like to say they're about a year ahead of the Magic just because they get a year jump on the Magic of, of being a bad team. Um, but I think you know they're looking like they're shaping up to be pretty, pretty decent. And then the guy I love in this draft class, and I, I – I went back and forth and back and forth on where I wanted to put him, and I ultimately put him behind Bancaro, Smith, and Holmgren. Is Keegan Murray of the Kings? I just think he is absolutely ready to step in day one, be a really good player right off the jump. He really knows what he's doing offensively. He can rebound, and I think you know him and Harrison Barnes together give the Kings a pretty nice forward mix. That's a great guy for him to learn from as a three-four player. So I'm really excited. I think Paulo's the best of the bunch, but I think this rookie class has a chance to be really, really good. And there's a lot of fun guys in interesting spots where I think they're going to pop throughout the course of the year. On uh, Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, his works at Spotrack Celtic Blog Front Office Show. Uh, click on to him on Twitter. Get the links to all of his great work. Thanks, Keith. Have a good week. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. An interesting week in the NFL with news about roughing the passer calls, eye in the skies, concussion protocols. Our friend Ben Astro, who we turn to to explain all things NFL officiating, is next. The beat of sports, Mark Daniels on this uh, Wednesday. The NFL's made a lot of headlines uh, last couple of weeks from uh, Tua's moment against Buffalo, against the Bengals, a changing of concussion protocols, eye in the sky, roughing the passer, all that stuff. Ben Ostro's been our guest when it comes to understanding NFL rules and officials, uh, the author of the book, So You Think You Know Football. He's on Twitter, at Football Zebras, uh, where if you are really into everything that happens officiating, uh, you can follow along uh, throughout the Sunday. By the way, I think my favorite part of your... T- uh, welcome, good morning. I think my favorite part is uh, the people that just think that they're on their couch, they know more than the guy watching the game, not realizing that they have the benefit of like 50 replays where the guy in the field has to make a call instantly and they're arguing with you like, well, this is what I saw. Like, yeah, because you watched it 50 times. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks, Mark. And, uh, yeah, it it does get kind of frustrating, but, uh, you know, how how can you go up against uh, the refs you suck chance? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's go back and start with where all this began. Tua goes down. Against the Bills, everybody sees what we see. Then there's a protocol that we're told that takes place. What did you watch in that game? As uh, the rules apply, and again, you're, I'm not asking you to play doctor, but to go back, not go back in the game that then led to the outcry, and then we got to Thursday and what took place. Just on what we saw in those two plays and those two games, 
What was your reaction? Yeah, one of the things, uh, at least from an officiating standpoint, they they do try to keep the officials from playing doctor. And, you know, you will see players that that look a little wobbly and and they may misapply the fact that, that he's got a concussion. Which is fine, and that that's the way it works out. You know, better to be wrong than um, and 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 to be overly cautious. But in this case, you know, we you had a withdrawal from you know from the unaffiliated uh, 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 spotter that that checks on these things and and is able to radio down. And yeah, it just it's one of those things where you say, okay, well, we followed all of the protocol. But it still just doesn't look right. And I couldn't see them making any major changes this year. Um, because, you know, right in the middle of the season is not the time to be, to be making any, any wholesale revisions to the policy. I'm glad that they at least recognize that, you know, if you're unstable to the point that, you know, you can't walk, we're just going to play it safe and, and pull you out. Um, and it just wound up happening that, that the Dolphins uh, were the, the first team that were hit by this new policy. But, you know, it's just one of those things you can't be overly cautious because, you know, we're, we're talking about lives. You know, it's going to go on beyond this, you know, third and fourth quarter of this game. There are people who are going to have lives shortened or, or have that other things, and that, that just seems to take – a lot more importance to me. Let me stick to it again. I'm not asking to play doctor, but as you point out, that's not the job of the ref. So when an eye in the sky or somebody says, yeah, I need a player, an official has no part in that. I think people sometimes don't understand that. They don't play a role in that. Am I correct, Ben? That's correct. Well, they they will treat them just as any other injured player. Uh, if, the, if the officials see somebody that just isn't stable, they'll bring on the attendance and it's a regular injury timeout. If somebody calls up from above, they will place it in a different category called a medical timeout. So there's no game implication when, when that happens. That's kind of the, the, the trade-off to bring this system in. So it's not a charge timeout. So if you're under two minutes, you know, they just pause the game and bring the player, escort the player to the sideline, pick up where they left off. Different situation if the referee or, or any of the other officials see something that becomes a, a regular injury timeout. So yeah, again, you don't want officials playing doctor, uh, but again, they do know certain signals for uh, for concussions uh, or any injury for that matter, and they're going to call on the attendants as soon as they see a player is in distress. The problem is, is that some of these things get masked a little bit. And some of this tough guy personality that's been baked into the NFL since its origin, which is just kind of play through it. You know, now you have people that are, are really expert at looking at these little details. Okay, his head hit the ground, so let's watch him as he walks back to that huddle. Where the officials, they have a lot of other in-between downs uh, duties to, to fulfill. The, uh, the ATC spotter can just focus on that single play all right let's get to some of the situations that we had in 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 the past week and uh all right we got concussion protocols we got uh, uh hey let's work on this to pa and the league i'm curious ben in a situation like this past week would the national football league in a lengthy email zoom conversations tell officials 
hey, I'm not asking you to call these plays more, but I would like you to keep an eye on these things because some people kind of wonder in the wake of what we had with Tua and we get to the Tampa Bay game and some other, and obviously Monday night, hey, they told officials to be on the lookout for this. And maybe in the first week or two, there'll be an overemphasis on looking for that. And then it'll kind of balance it out, just like we did a few years ago, about what is a catch. What does the NFL do in a situation like this in communication with officials? Well, I think in the, in the Tua case, I think that um, I, I'm 99, more than 99% sure that there was no change, no conversation with the officials nothing, no refinement, because how it was handled on the field was handled exactly as it needed to be. Um, there wasn't really a an extra uh, situation that, that the officials had to look at uh, in, in that situation. I, it, everything is really following along with the original rules. However, we the timing being as it is, a couple weeks later we now see uh, you know, two really outlier cases, and yeah, they're they're very obvious on their face. Uh, at least with the uh, with the Atlanta one, um, you know, and then that starts this whole cascading thing that that something has changed. There are games in in many other stadiums where where that was not the case. In the Atlanta game and and the Monday night game. Pool reporter asked the officials. They gave their reasoning for the call. The call is what it is. Did you agree with both of those calls? Well, uh, uh, Grady Jarrett did everything he was instructed to do, and there was no compartment of roughing the passer that applied to that call. So that was that was just a flat-out missed call. And, you know, so we're not looking at that as, Oh well, there's new interpretation or anything like that. Um, you know, there was the appearance of a second action to bring Brady to the ground, uh, but it just wasn't there. And you know, on that one-shot instinct, referee Jerem Boger threw the flag. Um, you know, it's it's one of those that that you just wanted to come back. In the case of uh, on Monday night. You know, you have an extra element added in there where you have a uh, a loose ball. And so you have Chris Jones that he did really land with full body weight on on uh, on car. So what you're, you you still have that that penalty in the back of your head as has Derek Carr had the opportunity to protect himself from from a hit. And I think that ignores the point that there's a loose ball, because at that point, not that you get a, an opportunity to get a, a clear shot in. You know, if somebody comes barreling in and, and throws in uh, a blindside hit, you know, that, that has nothing to do with recovering the ball. But in this case, you have a player that is trying to, to recover the ball, and it's just not something that, we really see uh, any kind of any kind of play that we can draw to and say, well, this is how we handled it back then. So this is one of those situations where both can be right. You can have Carl Sheffers throw the flag and say he landed with body weight and the passer hasn't had a chance to recover. That is correct. You can also say that, well, that the rule says if the uh, contact is warranted by the circumstances of the play. 
And when there's a loose ball, all bets are off. Everybody's just scrambling to get possession of that ball. And you really, that's the possession is the primary objective of the game. So to then say to a defender, you got to kind of not think about that. You have another thing. I, I really think that that adds uh, too much to to the defense. Yeah, they can't get a, a clean shot in, but on the other hand, they do have to have the opportunity to recover that ball. When you hear somebody or people say, well, roughing the passer should be reviewable, your reaction's what? You see, that's the thing. Is we could really start bogging down games with, with reviewable calls, and, and every time we have one of these, these cases that's an outlier, um, you know, it becomes harder and harder to defend putting this under the microscope all the time. They have made some changes. They've made the umpire a little more part of the process. Uh, so they will, uh, instead of looking at, at holding, just before there's contact on the quarterback, they'll steal a look and just make sure that from their side they don't see anything so that the official, the referee who has the primary, gets a little bit of a almost a 360 on on the quarterback. And so that's where we see some of these missed calls. Either they're not called or or they're called incorrectly because the the referee doesn't have that, that 360 perspective. But the thing comes back to the fact is that defenders will take every advantage. And when this rule came into play where they really tightened this down, and this was more of the owners trying to protect their investment. Right. You had players, you had former players that said, look, when we – stuff a passer legally when we get that one step we're going to put our face mask right in the chest because we might crack some ribs and you know when when you think about it that way that that's the way in the trenches that that is the mentality it the common fan it sets their their hair on ends there and this is the sort of thing that they're trying to take out of the game is to make sure that these types of shots are not in there. So when a player puts out his arm to make it look like he's bracing himself, they have to say, well, no, he didn't keep his weight off. He just threw his arms out like he's Superman, but he didn't keep his weight off the quarterback. And this is really tight, and it's in real time. So do you now then bring in the the, uh, eye in the sky every time? That would certainly help, but I'm not sure that it would lead to many more correct calls it will hit some of these outlier cases and yeah in this case in in uh you know for atlanta they had a third down stop and it on a what wound up being a game-winning drive so it was very significant there but you know there's going to be a few of these a handful per season and are we going to make a new rule based on just that i don't think that that's the right way but it's becoming more and more difficult to defend the fact that replay shouldn't be involved. Uh, a lot of good stuff, and uh, Ben's got so much more on these and everything that happens on a Sunday. You can follow the timeline. He's at Football Zebras is where you'll get info on Football Zebras. He's also on Twitter at Ben, A-U-S-T-R-O. Always good catching up, Ben. Good information. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you soon. Um, do you get all that, Scott? Do you ever want to be an eye in the sky? For what? Anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not not an NFL game. Too much pressure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. 
you ever like pull up at one of the like holiday shopping season? Mm-hmm. Cops have that eye in the sky thing that kind of lifts you up and you're looking over. Oh, in the parking lot? Yeah. 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 And then like just have like the walkie-talkie, Bob, the blue car, move. Stuff like that? Yes. Yeah, I'd like to be that. Yeah. Kind of neat. Yeah, it would be fun. Nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Costas on the call last night for the Yankee game. How'd that make you feel? Brian Anderson not happy. Uh, yeah, I can imagine he wouldn't be happy about oh, that. Oh, so you didn't work Monday. No, I did not. Yeah, I brought that up. Brian Anderson had been the number one play-by-play guy for TBS all year, working with Ron Darling, and they mm. put Costas in the booth with Darling for the Yankee series and Anderson to the B team. That didn't go well. That's That didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we come back. Scott kicks off the 11 o'clock hour with the news next. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Coco Beach, Orlando Sports Leader. Scott has the news. Yes, I do. Welcome to another edition of the award-winning news segment on the Beat of Sports. I'm Scott Harris. That's the arts and crafts master himself, Mark Daniels. What's that mean? You're doing some arts and crafts over there. You're making some Halloween decorations during the commercial breaks. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, First up in the news. Am I cutting up some game notes for football broadcast tomorrow? Because I've got some things that... I didn't Ultimate say that. Schedule, maybe. I didn't say that. I said arts and crafts. Am I not focused? You are, are we not entertaining? You are... are we not bringing the A game? You, I, I just had to turn your mic off because I could hear it in my headphones. One time I was cutting up <laughs> a, 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 a note and you caught me. First up in the news. Burr, 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 burr. Authorities are investigating how a man inside a Georgia maximum security prison stole $11 million from a billionaire movie mogul using burner phones and allegedly arranged for a private plane to transport the the funds. the movie or what happened? No, this is what happened. Oh. And arranged for a private plane to transport the funds to Atlanta where it was used to buy a $4.4 million house. Like it. I want a movie from this story, Mark. Yeah, sounds good. I watched that. Garrett Cole cruised for most of the night. Now, Harrison uh, third inning, it was a little bit dicey. Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo homered for the Yankees as they beat the Guardians 4-1 on Tuesday in their ALDS opener. Hader hit his first home run since the Yankees made the surprising deal to acquire him from St. Louis at the trade deadline. From Bronxville, New York. Tying the score with a third inning drive to left center and on a call. You want to play the John Sterling call? I'd rather not. Also, I did close the window. Uh, uh, the window outside, what's known as a computer window. Yes, we can't open the windows in this building. How's your confidence level heading into uh, Game Two? Well, I like it. Yeah, I, I uh, all sarcasm aside, I like the Yankees against the Guardians. I don't like the Yankees against the Astros. I like the Yankees against the Mariners. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, Seattle's going to win Game One, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I like the Yankees. Meanwhile, the Rangers got off uh, to the new season on a winning note with a 3-1 victory Come on, you can do it. over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Say it. Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad had two goals in the game, including a tie-breaking power play goal in the third taste? period. Uh, Barclay Goodrow. Goodrow also scored in the... 
uh, reigning uh, Venezia uh, trophy winner uh, Igor Shosturkin stopped 26 shots to help the Rangers start the season. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, your goalkeeper also had a great game. It was a good opening night. It's a good night. I mean, the Yankees won. The Rangers won. Mm-hmm. What's not to like? Did the, did the Knicks win? Did they play yesterday? Doesn't count. Regular season's all that counts. But if they... Okay, I'm sorry, but if you knew that all three teams won... The played last night. But you don't know. Uh, I'm going to be honest. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Meanwhile... Brett Favre said he has done nothing wrong and has been smeared in the media uh, by the media in response to his involvement in a sprawling welfare investigation in Mississippi, according to a statement given to Fox News Digital. Quote, I have been unjustly smeared in the media. I have done nothing wrong, and it is past time to set the record straight. I don't care where you sit politically. There's a certain network that you may have just mentioned that you will see Brett Favre in a PR tour appear on with his attorneys and his PR team to paint a picture that what Favre did was nothing wrong and that it's common in a lot of states for uh, wealthy, famous people, which, by the way, he's correct if that's his defense. doesn't mean what he did, allegedly did, is acceptable, Mm -hmm. but you'll see a PR push of saying that there are many examples of famous, wealthy people that work with state officials to assist in getting funding for this, this, and this. I'm just telling that you. That doesn't make it okay. I'm just telling you, you're going to see that individual do a number of upcoming interviews. Meanwhile, New York Giants punter Jamie Gillen did not... By the way, tra- I had to say something. I'm sorry. Way off the subject. Okay. Yes. Did you see yesterday uh, Maverick Carter announced that their interview on the shop with Kanye, they're not going to air? I did not see that, no. Okay. Didn't know so, the shop still existed. Okay, so, so Kanye does an interview with Tucker Carlson. Again, a very I, edited. I don't care about your politics, but it is... I don't know what sane person can watch that interview and not think that he needs help, mm-hmm. okay? And, and that he believes the crap that he spews, um, and some of it is incredibly hateful. It was a very edited piece to present Kanye in a certain way. For whatever reason yesterday... Maverick Carter announced Mm -hmm. that the interview they did, which LeBron was not on this episode of, is not airing because he says of offensive things that Kanye mentioned. Mm -hmm. First off, this is just my opinion, you only did that because the backlash of the interview that he did with Tucker Carlson. If it was so offensive, Mm -hmm. you would have bailed and announced it weeks ago when you did the interview. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, yeah, it sounded like you were going to do the interview because it would have gotten so much attention, but because the backlash of the Fox interview, hey, yeah, we decided to bail on it because it was so offensive. It mm-hmm. did seem offensive when you recorded it and did post-production on it yeah. and it was all set to air. This is true. Anyway, go on. Uh, your punter is still in England. Scottish Hammer. The Scottish Hammer. That's his nickname. What's not to like about that? It's fantastic. Yeah. Is that visa issues? That is why he's... Minor details. We don't play till Sunday at 1. If he lands at 10.30, let's go. Meanwhile, an understrength Spain women's team beat the U.S. women's national team 2-0 in a friendly in Papalona on Tuesday. Uh, It was the uh, first time the U.S. women's national team had allowed multiple goals in consecutive games since February 27th and March 2nd of 2019. Uh, yeah, it's also the f- weird downstretch. So this has the, the women's national team. Of, yeah, some people will roll their eyes at this. 
This has the feeling of the end of U.S. men's international basketball dominance. Oh. Okay? Yeah. And we had to have the Redeem team. Mm-hmm. You can watch that documentary. Have you watched it? No. I'm not saying I won't, but I haven't watched it yet. This has a sense that others have caught up both on an international level, which has happened. The gap of the U.S., everybody else has mm-hmm. uh, shrunk. And in the wake of the struggles of the NWSL, we've seen other leagues, particularly in Europe, mm-hmm. not just come close, but past the NWSL. And I wonder if it's going to take next year's World Cup, mm-hmm. Women's World Cup, where the U.S. has one of those, wait, they did what? Meaning not good. Yeah. And there'll have to be this rebirth of U.S. women's soccer mm-hmm. in, say, the 27 Cup or other international competition because the gap is gone. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL playing service at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium may be a hot mess in the opinion of some, but the naming rights for the venue are a hot commodity. Reported by The Athletic that Google and Tottenham are in meaningful talks. Ever had meaningful talks? Yeah, I think so. Ever have non-meaningful talks? Most most of the time, yes. Yeah. Uh, regarding the naming rights to the stadium, Google, which is the presenting sponsor... Uh, or uh, Google uh, is the one that is in talks uh, for the naming rights of the stadium. So they spent millions, I think it was $4 million, regarding the surface of the Giants and the Packers played on. That is mm. not the field that Tottenham plays on. Correct. Yeah. How would you feel about Tottenham now not being Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and being Google Stadium? Oh, I don't care. Exactly. As long as they... When you get points at home, I don't call whatever you want to call it. Uh, and last bit of news: Dolphins head coach uh, Mike McDaniel told reporters today that Tua Tonga Viola is not expected to play on Sunday versus the Vikings. Skylar Thompson is now in line to start against Minnesota. The team is also bringing back Don Strock to be the backup quarterback. Is that true? I didn't see that. It'd be tough. I think Strock is seventy. But didn't you see a Don? You saw Don. I saw Strzok, a Don Strock jersey. You saw Don Strock the other day when you were grocery no, shopping. I saw a jersey. Somebody wore a Don Strock jersey at Publix. How do you know it wasn't actually him? I don't think Don Strock shrunk. Yeah, a foot and a half. How old do you think Don Strock is? Seventy-two. Seventy-one. You were very close. Okay. Hmm. That's it. On the news, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. This is a five-star segment. Just go there and leave us a five-star rating. It's also an award-winning segment. I didn't know. I don't know if you're aware of this, Mark. We won another award this past weekend. What? Radiosportsnews.net gave us the top rating for sports news segments in the country. I think you made that up. <laughs> no. I- <laughs> I think you made that up. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to check it, so... I'll, exactly. I'll so you don't that. know. You don't yeah. know if it's made up or not. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Is the TV working in there? You asked me 10 minutes ago. The I'm TV is asking. still working right now. I'm going to need that still TV working. later on. Not a touch screen, as I learned the other day, but um, the TV uh, is working. I don't know. You touched it, and then it started working. Yeah. Okay. That Back is. to you, Mark. All right, Scott, thank you much. Tomorrow night, UCF football, uh, their space game uniforms were introduced uh, yesterday. Is it true you're wearing a space suit? I'm not wearing a space suit. It's UCF's sixth space game, and uh, 7 o'clock kick against uh, Temple.
and the rocket launches. There's a rocket launch. It's a splashdown of a capsule uh, that'll be about 541, I believe, tomorrow. And our kickoff is set for 7 o'clock. Movie Wednesday, next. Wow. Ah, yes, indeed, boys and girls, time for Movie Wednesday, latest happenings on the big screen or your small handheld device to watch your favorite movies. Don't watch movies on your phone. You watch any, catch any, catch anything new lately? You're in your channel surfing? Like start to finish? No, 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 no. You don't start or finish a movie, Mark. Uh, I watched a, about 10 to 15 minutes of the horrible remake of Point Break. Oh, yeah. Just out of anger. Uh-huh. Where I you know, watched the 10 minutes like, why? Mm-hmm. Why did this need to exist? Yeah. Yeah, the good the good remake of Point Break has spawned a franchise. So, yeah, Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Meanwhile, David O. Russell's star-studded 1930s mystery Amsterdam Mark has flopped at the box office. Mm. And the children's book adaptation Lyle Lyle Crocodile debuted softly, allowing horror thriller Smile to repeat atop the box office again. Smile drew $17.6 million at the box office, an impressive second weekend for the modest budget horror flick. They usually have a sharp decrease in week two, but this one only had a modest one at 22%. Okay. You don't want to go see Smile, do you? No, not at all. Fans of Prince William will need to part with the idea of there him. There are? What? There are? Yeah, people like Prince William, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. With him being the hottest bald man two years in a row, a study by SEC SEO agency Reboot has determined that Wait, the Greg Sankey yep has determined that the Prince of Wales has been dethroned as 2022's hottest bald man. This year's study looked at a wide number of factors such as facial golden ratio, Twitter sentiment analysis, net worth, and height. Do you want to know he has been replaced by? Uh, yeah, I mean, go for it. But... It's all about family, Mark. Vin Diesel. Because oh. the Prince of Wales trophy used to be for the best team in the Eastern Conference of the NHL. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I didn't know that, no. Oh. What was the what, what, who's the Western Conference? Uh, that would have been... Uh... What's the Metro? What's the Metro one? Campbell. Okay. Campbell Trophy. Campbell Soup. Okay. I did have a moment of flaps there. Yes. Vin Diesel, number one. Stanley Tucci, number two. Shamar Moore, the actor, number three. Pitbull, Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide, is number four. And then Prince William. Mm. Do you agree with the top five list? I'm still going back to the <clears throat> Prince of Wales Trophy. Yeah. Where is it? I don't, I don't Maybe know. it's with the conflict trophy of UCF The civil conflict, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mark, new trailer dropped yesterday. What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah? What'd we watch? Uh, a high-tech robot doll in a horror movie? What could go wrong? A what now? A high-tech robot doll? Oh, boy. On Tuesday, Universal Pictures debuted the first trailer for Megan, 
starring Allison Williams as a roboticist for a a toy company who designed a full-sized AI doll named Megan. The robot doll grows extremely protective over her grieving niece. You have an early fans account? Very uncomfortable right now. Megan is a marvel of artificial intelligence, a lifelike doll programmed to be a child's this greatest... a movie? Yes. Mm. I cannot wait to see this movie. Really? More. Yeah. Oh, God. I kind of want you to watch the trailer. What is it? Megan. M-3-G-A-N. All right. Wait. Uh... Do it again. M three G. Oh, M three. Because it's a robot. G. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Go on. The Grinch is set to get the horror slasher treatment in a new film coming this Christmas. The Mean One follows an incarnation of the green creature who lives above the town of Newville, still despising Christmas. Cindy, you know whose parents were killed by the Grinch 20 Christmases prior. Oh, no, I'm not watching it. Oh, I just, oh, come on. What? I just, oh, I fast forward in the trailer. Oh. What? Did you see the part where the robot dances? Oh, it, you know, it starts as like this nice little. Yeah, and, yeah. And then, um, yeah. It looks like the the, the, the doll looks like um, was Tom Cruise's wife. <laughs> Which one? Katie Holmes? No. Nicole Kidman? Yeah. The doll looks like Nicole Kidman. Mm, I don't think so. No? No. Wow. Yeah. No way am I seeing this movie. I can't wait to see oh, this my. movie. I cannot <sighs> wait. I cannot wait to see that movie. Uh, yeah, The Grinch, Mark, getting a horror movie uh, treatment. Why? Why not? Because it's not necessary. All right, go ahead. That's it. That's all I got. That's it? The mean one. So you got the mean one, and then you got the Winnie the Pooh horror movie as well. You're going to yeah. double feature those two. The mean one. Don't need it. Just don't need it. So I sent Scott something for movie one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I, have, I have questions. You do? Yes. Okay. Here's a, here's a clip to set up um, what it is. And welcome to Movie Phone, brought to you by the New York Times and Hot 97. Coming to theaters this Friday, Kevin Bacon, Susan Sarandon. You've got to get me over that mountain! No! There's no higher place than Mountain High. Rated R. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. Kramer? Is that you? Blank. Uh, what time does Chow Fun start? I don't know. So, <laughs> some of you uh, younger folks may not realize that, or you may have seen that episode of Seinfeld, and actually uh, Kramer does movie phone a couple times, does it with George as well. Um there was and still is a movie phone and it started out with an idea of several people going back uh, to the late 80s and was introduced in los angeles and new york first and uh, a guy named russ leatherman now that's a guy that should be in a that's a real name that's a great name 
uh, he was the original voice of Mr. Movie Phone. Mm-hmm. And it was an automated phone service. And it started out in New York and Los Angeles and then grew to other cities across the country. And, Scott, you're not old enough to remember, but mm-hmm. that was a big way that people learned about when movies played. Now, believe it or not, it used to be, Scott, a big deal. Mm-hmm. In the newspaper, there would be a page in the newspaper that would be the movie page and it would have the theaters in your town and it would show you maybe what the big release was and what times for that and then everything else and be okay that's that movie theater that movie theater and then you might remember what was the it used to be called the calendar section or things like that in friday's paper what's happening in town for the weekend and you'd have new releases Mm-hmm. It would tell you about. And that's how people learned about movies. And then when movie phone came about, people would pick up a phone. And Scott, believe it or not, early on, mm-hmm. people paid to call. They paid to, find to learn out. what time a like movie you was You dial on. the number and were charged on your phone bill. Then movie phone came along and it was free. But people would call and then you would basically be able to press a couple of buttons mm-hmm. either for the movie or the theater, and then literally go through a menu of pressing buttons to learn, out, learn about what time the movie was. You're like, okay, I want to go see Meatballs. Mm-hmm. Where? Pick the theater, then click another button. Movie showing at 1, 3.30, 5.45. That's how people learned about movie time. And by the way, Scott, you weren't able to make a reservation or pre-purchase your ticket. That was just to tell you what time uh, the movie was. Movie phone... Uh, was sold to AOL Mm -hmm. in 1999, which back then AOL was like a really big deal, Yeah, for an incredible price then of $388 million. Wow. Uh, And since has gone on to become a number of different things, and is still in existence today, Hmm. the original concept of a movie phone with several different people that have bought what once was movie phone. uh, very, very famous and a big part. A lot of people right now listening remember they would use movie phone to learn where and when movies played. Did you use it? Yeah. Yeah? Of course. Huh. Movie phone was very big, as a, a, again, in the 90s. Dial that baby up. Who wants to go to the movies? I don't know. Who's got a, a newspaper? No one's got a newspaper. Call movie phone. They called a movie phone. Now, it would have been great if it actually was this Kramer, like a live person's there answering. <laughs> And, and reads a script as to what a scene is like. But, yeah, can you imagine you finding out, I no. mean, Mr. Movie Gore, no? I wouldn't like that. Yeah. I wouldn't like that at all. Yeah. I just like, boop, boop, up oh, there it is. That's it. Tickets purchased. No, no, purchased. no, no, no. That was just to learn where and when the movie uh, was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, remember also, Scott, back then, like, what's the latest a movie will start in a theater? Uh, let me take a look. Will you get, like, a 1030 start? I I have in the past. Um, I'm just curious when the last showing it, and maybe it's even early because of staffing issues. It, that's the thing. Uh, but that was like a really big deal. If you ever saw a movie that started after ten, like whoa, ho, 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 ho. we might be here till after midnight. Uh, at the theater I go to, ten o'clock is the latest showing. Yeah, and of course there were the theaters that would do like midnight showings of something. Yeah, this is Rocky usually like horror picture show. Those are like the rep theaters, yeah. Right, but regular theaters so like if you saw a movie start at 10:40 like whoa. With the uh previews it might be 1 o'clock before we get out of here. By the way, I did just see that one of our 
rep theaters in town does a horror movie at brunch time. Little Bloody Mary, huh? Bloody Mary while you're watching a horror movie. What's not to like? I thought it's a great idea. Hang on. And it actually has a funny name to it. Uncomfortable Brunch. Wow. Okay. Sounds like it's perfect for you and your girlfriend. I won't be there. Yeah. You're invited. Thanks for the invite. You like brunch? I love brunch. Yeah. Yeah. You should do brunch at least uh, once every two weeks. Uh, come back. Uh, continue more on this Wednesday edition of the Vita Sports. Yes. This BTS or something? Who is this? This is MGMT. Who's that? MGMT. That's the name. That's the name of oh, the group. Well, I mean, what's their background? Uh, they've been around for about you don't know, ten you don't years. Know. Really? Yeah, they're a indie music duo. How long do you get to stay as an indie? I mean, at some point, don't you gotta get the cash? I mean, if you stick to certain venues, you kind of just stay indie. And don't you end up living with nine people in a two-bedroom apartment like that? I think you make enough to live in, in an apartment by yourself. All right. Magic won last night, uh, beat the Grizzlies. I I noticed a trend about basketball media perception of the Magic this year. Okay. Okay? Follow me with this. Yeah. Um, I said, Mike and I, but we, we squabbled a little bit yesterday? Yeah. Maybe? Uh... What's today? Wednesday? Yeah. Today's Wednesday. <laughs> we just did movie Wednesday. Uh, David Steele was on uh, Mike's show yesterday. He has somebody from Magic on every Tuesday. The Magic Word. And, uh, you know, David, like anybody should be optimistic about the start of a season. And David said that, you know, he, he's excited to think that the Magic are going to be among the teams playing four spot in the playing round, which I've said I think should be the expectation for this team. And then Mike... Uh, you know, said some of the effect of is that fair? And I said, well, yeah, for for what a Magic fan has been asked to go through for a decade. And then Mike's point was, well, this this current management group basically got permission to press reset when they made the trades of sending out Nick Vucevic and moving Evan Fournier and all that stuff to press reset. And I said, well, your fans don't press reset; they don't. I mean, if you're a fan base that's gone now a decade plus into this, you don't get to go, okay, we'll get rid of our frustrating emotions and we start fresh again and we're all excited. And um, my point about the Magic is that I believe they should be contending for a spot in the playoffs, which it's fine if it's in that 10, 9, 8, 7 group, which gets you into the play-in. Now, Vegas doesn't think that. Depending on what you look at, anywhere from 26 to 28 is the Magic projected win total. They may be right. I don't know. Um, I think if you ask me today, I think I might say the Magic will win uh, 34, 35 games. That may not get you into the 10th or uh, 9th spot. But I think there's a, a little bit of a trend here. Zach Lowe, Scott, you know Zach Lowe. You mm-hmm. listen to some of his stuff. Zach's do, a, yeah. a bright, really smart basketball guy at ESPN Deep analytics guy, well-respected. You would agree that he's well-respected in the NBA circles, right? Absolutely. So every year, Zach puts up what he calls um, 
his Lowe's annual league pass rankings. Yes. That's a little playoff. If you get the NBA league pass, he's telling you, here's the value of watching this team. Like, if you're number one, hey, you, it's like must-watch TV. These are the teams, you, yeah, the right. fun ones to yeah. watch. Don't waste your time on these teams towards uh, the bottom. And uh, his rankings are out, and he's got the Utah Jazz as the 30th team. And he goes on to tell you all the changes they've made, and it's pretty obvious that they're trying to tank to get Victor Wambayama. And then you kind of go down and go, okay, let's see who else is there. Um, and he does deep breakdown. It's a, it's a great preview. The Pacers are 29. The Spurs are 28. Uh, these are all teams that people project that are going to tank for Victor Wambanyama and then Oklahoma City at 27. Wizards 26, and then the Magic at 25. But can I read you the first paragraph of what Zach writes? Because I think in, in some form, not the exact words, Almost every NBA preview of the Magic season sounds like the first paragraph that Zach writes. Ready? Um, well, the second paragraph, I should say. I think we're on rebuild number three post-Whitemare. This one might take. Taliban Kara is the offense first. The Magic have searched for this entire decade. Uh, an all-court hub with the passing and shooting chops to lift his teammates. Franz Wagner is the ideal secondary wing. Uh, talks about Wendell Carter Jr. being only 23, already a decent starting center. They should land another high pick in this draft. Talks about Colt Anthony. And I think, Scott, that people are predicting the Magic to be more like the 12th or 13th team in the East, but to cover themselves. But I think they're ready for a nice jump. Mm-hmm. That just in case the Magic are the 10th or 9th team, they can kind of claim, well, I saw this coming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Put your preseason number out, keep them low, but then write something really nice, and if they happen to make that jump, go, well, I kind of felt that they'd be there, and then you can kind of pick uh, both sides here. Look, I think the Magic could be fun to watch this year, but I don't like that sentence. <laughs> And here's why. I'll have to accept that I think the Magic can be fun to watch. And I'm saying that in October. And I look forward to the start of the season. I just hope that you can say that same sentence in mid-November, mid-December, mid-January, mid-February, and mid-March. I hope it's in mid-April because that means then you are pushing towards one of those playoff spots. So I hope that. But what the, the part I don't like is we're still in the building mode of finding out the cornerstones to build around, and, and, and we're still talking about the youth, and we're still talking about too much hope. I know why we're doing it. We've had the same speech for X number of years. I'm excited to watch Pato play. Not a game, a course of games. See how he's used. Look at certain matchups against certain teams. I'm excited about, at times, that he'll have the ball in his hand. Um, I think he's going to be better than some people think at certain things. I do think Franz Wagner is someone that could make a big second-year jump. And then I'm at the hoping for with a bunch of other guys. With Jalen Suggs, who I still want to remain very high on, I don't get him back for a period of time. I don't know what I really have. Um, With Mo Bamba, I'm still hoping it's more of the player that in the second half of the year had more better nights than nights that he disappeared. 
I asked Keith Smith, who visits with us on Wednesday, about Wendell Carter Jr., and I said even to my question, they're different in the way they play, meaning Nick Vucevic when he was here and Wendell Carter Jr., but the comparison I was making is serviceable guys that are going to have really good nights and not be a negative to your basketball team, and Wendell's still really young. Um, And then there's all the other things that are there, you know, about what Markel folds, when he's going to be healthy, and if Jonathan Isaac, and getting Jalen Suggs back, and we're still talking about what R.J. Hampton can bring, and then I'm supposed to be excited about Bowl Bowl because he plays, you know, 20-plus minutes in a preseason game. That's the part that I... I wish wasn't the main focus because we're still at that point of, hey, young guys, exciting, and what can they be? I'm all in on the excitement part of it, just like I was last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. It just gets old once you reach a point where you're 27 games under 500. I, I, I don't have fun with that. I hope this team entertains us, and as you get to mid-November, December, January, they are a competitive basketball team. I And anybody that says the pieces are in place, I don't know how you draw that conclusion. I, I, I'll just respectfully disagree. You are still waiting to see what you have in certain players. And I, I believe that you have a pretty good idea after the second year of a player what you have. And you have to conclude that's a role player. That's someone that looks like they're going to be an eight-year starter for you. Second contract guy versus that player is replaceable. And I do think the Magic still have a bunch of those guys that are like, I'm not quite sure, and he's replaceable. But I think Paolo can be special. I think Franz will be special. I think Wendell is serviceable for years. He could play, again, like Nick Vucevic, he can give you a decade and be a good basketball player for you. The other pieces that are either injured or you're still crossing your fingers or you're optimistic for, I just don't know. But I'm in for the start of the year. I just don't want to be in February going, well, I know they've lost 9 of 11, but how about that 12-minute stretch of Chumo Kiki last night? Back to wrap it up with some notes and quotes next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. More uh, Major League Baseball playoff action uh, today. Four more games. Scott's a big fan of what's going on. Baseball doesn't exist right now. Come on. You know why? You think I would be doing this if the Red Sox were alive and the Yankees weren't? Yes. Right. 100%. By the way, have you ever seen a story flip more than this Devontae Adams one? Devontae Adams has had assault charges filed against him in the last hour. Like, I have seen from social media go from, yeah, you've got to press charges on this guy, to, what, this guy's just trying to collect money, he's just in it for the attention, Devontae Adams is the real victim in this situation, didn't you see the other camera angles, he knew what he was doing? In like a three-day period. Yeah, he's been cited for assault uh, after pushing the photographer over in the field. Um, the citation's posted. Um, it is an assault charge. Uh, we'll ask Richard about that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 
I, I said to Mike after watching the many angles posted, I don't know about a suspension. I do think a fine. I think you can make an argument. Neither party's looking to step in front and 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 get a bump. The mm-hmm. the, the photographer's moving over. I think Devontae turns. He's right in front. There's an emotion part of the game. He does push him. I don't think he went out of his way to go after somebody. In defense of Devontae Adams, I'm not excusing the, the, the push. I don't know if I think someone is at a place they're not supposed to be, and mm-hmm. you can't say that that doesn't happen. We've seen enough incidents in the last two weeks of people that are on field and after a game, who knows who gets on a field. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that reaction. I do think there's still an overreaction his part. So I said that I, I think the NFL will issue a fine as far as what happens with a, a charge here. Is he going to have to come up with something to pay for this? I maybe I don't know. What do you think should the penalty be about uh, the NFL? Anything? Uh, fine. A fine. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um. What else? Scott is just all giddy over. It. Have you watched the Blink One Eighty Two song? Of course I have. Okay. You kidding me? Me and my girlfriend are trying to figure out how many stops on the tour we're going to go to. Currently looking at four. When's the tour start? Next year. Four, huh? Yep. Wow. In the area or like around the country or internationally? Uh, Copenhagen or something? Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, and Charlotte. Hmm. Okay. Well, look forward to that. I, I very much am looking forward to that, Mark. Thursday show, busy one uh, tomorrow for us. Cam Miller, his weekly football visit. Max Struess of the Miami Heat. Yeah. Be on the program uh, tomorrow. And Mike O'Donnell with a non-Friday appearance. What? No. Got a big event. Can't be here Friday. Do it tomorrow. We'll do it live. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always on demand at 96thegame.com. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels, the Beat of Sports.